Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Chris Joyce. Chris is the founder of 24 companies in high-tech, consumer goods, health, and manufacturing. His products have been sold in more than 11,000 stores in 23 countries. The users of his tech products are spread over 148 countries across the globe. Chris's newest venture is Gusher, a simple, quick, and easy way to build a startup. Chris believes that great ideas can come from anyone, anywhere, and that the market and not the venture capitalist should be the judge of whether or not these ideas see the light of day. This is going to be an excellent discussion today. Chris, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It'll be fun. Yeah. So there are a lot of accolades in there. 24 companies, you know, got all these products out. Dude, I got to hear this backstory. Tell me who you are and what makes you so amazing. Sure. Well, I, I mean, myself, I don't think it's necessarily that I'm amazing in any unique way. I just, I start a lot of companies. I like starting companies. I like creating product. I like going ahead and taking risk and doing stuff that nobody else has done. I've done it from the time that I was a, a young kid and it's just really an evolutionary process to where I am now. You know, what's cool about that is, you know, just the idea of being able to, you know, to tinker with things. And sure. now we really have the tools in order to make this happen because think about the, you know, think about it 20 years ago, you know, if you wanted to get into advertising, you know, you needed to go talk to some suit in on Madison Avenue, right? Now you can just, now you can be national, you can be international on your own, you know, from a beach in Bali. And what happens is as long as you have a great idea, you're able to actually get it out there, make some noise, pound the virtual pavement and make it happen. But what is the thing that really drives you in terms of like the types of products? I mean, are these, are these the kind of things that like, like you bump into at a stoplight and it's like, oh man, that, that's really gonna, that's really gonna help out. Or are you really like sitting down and thinking like, how can I solve this one pain point that'll make someone's life so much better? I think almost every time it's a lot easier as a founder or a wannabe founder or entrepreneur uh, to deal with your own pain points, the pain points that you're experiencing, the pain points uh, that your, your, your relatives are experiencing, the people that are in your quote unquote inner circle, uh, just because I really think that the pain points that you you deal with have the most impact. And when you start going down the, the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial 
proverbial road, uh, what I call the roller coaster of awesomeness, many times in order to stick with it and to never give up, it has to have a, a personal importance to you. It has to relate in some extremely authentic emotional way for you to go down it. So I'm not sitting here thinking, okay, how do we go ahead and, and solve this esoteric problem that, that may not be, have a personal thing with me? It comes really from my own experiences typically uh, and what I'm dealing with. That's really where the problems come in. The pain points. So tell me a little bit about, about some of your more successful products. Like what problem were they trying to solve and how were you able to approach that in order to bring it to market? Sure. Well, I, one of my, my biggest companies was a company called Ocelo Foods. So Ocelo Foods was the largest low carbohydrate manufacturer in the world in, the, in terms of everything that we did. But it literally started off when I had $1,200 to my name and was almost homeless. But one day, and I kid you not, I woke up and, you know, I don't know if you can curse on this program or not, uh, but I wanted an effing low carbohydrate muffin. I wanted a blueberry muffin. I had been eating eggs and bacon for at that point three years and I got just extremely fed up with it and I just wanted it. So, you know, I, I did what typically any entrepreneur would do. You try to go ahead and see are there recipes at the time. There was nothing. Uh, there was nothing on the shelves to go ahead and make. So I, I literally decided right then and there that I'm going to do whatever the hell it took to get a low carbohydrate blueberry muffin in my belly uh, because that pain just became too much. I know it's not deep. It's not some great mission. It's not something necessarily going ahead and let's say changing the world, but it would change my world. And I felt if I felt that way, there could be a lot of other people doing it too you know, that would want it. You know, one of the things I find, especially among startup founders, is that you know, they really are, you know, excessively creative thinkers, right? You know, they just see the world as like a bunch of blocks that you can move around. And, you know, what if I tilt it this way and push it forward and maybe chop a corner off to make it stand on itself, you know, things like that type of people. But, you know, sometimes those ideas don't necessarily, you know, there could be a lot of duds in there as well. How do you sort of, so how do you like figure out? Absolutely. But the duds are, are a requisite that they're part of that path to the great ideas. I, I think that crappy ass ideas are, are necessary. Now, I was sitting there saying, yeah, I want a low carbohydrate blueberry muffin. OK, but I didn't say, OK, I wanted a shelf stable low carb blueberry muffin. I didn't sit there and say I want a low carb blueberry muffin that had less than three grams of carbohydrates. I didn't say that. I didn't sit there and say I want a low carb blueberry muffin that didn't have a wheat flour and everything else in it. All those things evolve. I just had that initial need, that initial gut, which on its face value was not necessarily a great idea. And let me explain to you why. When I started reaching out and contacting food chemists, uh, and this was the, a sign of the times, I had over 500, I kid you not, over 500 food chemists that told me it couldn't be done. It shouldn't be done. It, it wouldn't be done. They told me to F off because they were literally. It's against the laws of everything that is sacred. Yeah. I, I mean, and so that to me is actually an indicator. If people are reacting that much, that maybe you're onto something there, you know, and, and to take the opposite approach, but it most definitely wasn't some phenomenal, you know, great idea right off the bat, especially in terms of the way the product developed. So you and I could probably riff off, a plethora 
of really bad ideas that went to market, fizzled out, just all kinds of bad things. You know, the stuff we watch on thinking about the Hulu documentary about uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Sure, absolutely. You know, you're going to get all these blood things. You're going to get all these tests out of one prick of blood. Well, guess what? That that didn't work. Yep. Right. You know, as much as they tried, you know, we work. Right. So we work. I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of it. That's actually a, a, a slightly different problem because that company still is in a, is, still is in business today. A lot of people got screwed out of the, out of it due to their excessive valuation, but yeah, it's, it was the valuation. It wasn't a function of the model. It was a function of valuation. Exactly. And what happens is, you know, like we, you know, we can go and pick apart all of these, but what happens is, you know, it's like a lot of it has to do with the charisma of the founder with the charisma of the, you know, of the management team uh, that are able to take this idea and really push it forward, attract more money, some more venture capital into it, things like that. My question is, sure. These are things that you cannot necessarily pull in alone. You have to pull in a team. Most definitely. Right. And like, and like you said, you're not a food chemist, right? So you're, you, you just had to. Right. Exactly. Oh, geez. Like I got to read some books. I got to watch some YouTube videos. I got to, you know, I got to figure this out. Even if it's eventually, you know, you're going to be, be proved wrong that no, you cannot make a gluten-free muffin. Right. Yeah. But, but hear me out. I, 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 as founder, it's not my job to be an expert in all these different verticals. It's my job to go ahead and surround myself with the most brilliant people at what they do and to go ahead and solve the problem. It's my job to identify the problem and a possible pathway to the solution, uh, but not to go ahead and create the solution. So any business that I've, I've ever done, I've never been the person that has done the coding. I've never been the materials engineer. I've never been the physicist behind it. I've never been the industrial designers. I've never been the, necessarily the marketing people or even uh, as you go ahead and scale up uh, building the sales organizations. Uh, I've never done that. My, my job is to really get it started and to be able to attract other people into that deal. Because if you're not as a founder, able to go ahead and attract people into your company, those are the ideas that should actually die or they need to evolve into some pitch that actually does attract them. So that that first starting point, that's what you've got to concentrate on. So I love the way you articulated that. And that really segues into, you know, what I really want to talk about here. Sure. How to figure out which one of those ideas really are bankable, right? So let me just paint the picture. My wife and I binge a lot on Shark Tank. Sure. Right. It's just, it's on reruns now all the time. Yeah. And we're always exactly. screaming at the TV like, no, oh, you're, you're an idiot. That's never going to fly. Da, da, da. Then Mr. Wonderful goes and gives them $200,000 for God knows what. Right? Exactly. Oh, and, by the way, they have a monstrous high, high failure rate. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, I can imagine. But so what happens is, you know, it's like, uh, obviously you need to put those naysayers to the side. Right. right. You know, maybe the founders weren't great at uh, at articulating the idea, couldn't get it, uh, you know, and couldn't bring it up to a point where it is investable. Right. Right. But my big questions revolve around around how do you figure out like which ideas to move forward with and which ones are like, eh, you know, something let's let's put that out for 2023. There's a very simple method, very simple method. All right. So I'm going to tell you this and, and I mean it. So. And I'm going to give you an example. So when I'm dealing with investors, even if I'm dealing with funding in some way, I tell them this exact same line. If I deal with people that I'm trying to recruit a team, 
I tell them this exact same line. If I tell potential founders that are thinking about an idea or they may have multiple ideas or whatever it may be, and I'll give you a hard and fast example in just a second, I'm going to tell them this exact same line. All right. You ready for it? I'm ready. If you wake up and you're thinking about the idea, all right. If you go to sleep and it's the last thing that you're thinking of, if you go to the toilet and you're thinking about it, if you're eating your sandwich and you're thinking about it, if you're in the movie theater or watching Netflix and you're still thinking about it, I don't know if you have video on this and recording it, but I'm getting goosebumps saying this because that is really the fundamental litmus test in terms of determining whether or not you should go forward with an idea. It may make no sense whatsoever to anybody else. It may make no sense from a business model perspective in terms of success. That doesn't freaking matter at all because the point is you should be doing that. That's the little voice inside you, your potential that wants to be untapped. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the road you're going to end up on. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the actual company you're going to create or that's the product you're going to create. But what it is telling you is that's the next step. And so taking that next step is letting that idea out, even if it's horrible, even if it's something that's not good, especially if it's ludicrous. Those are the ideas that you should be letting out because they have the most potential to lead to something that then is viable. And people don't understand that that's the process. You start out with this crappy little idea, something that is burning inside of you, and you put it out there and you start using that as a stepping stone to just keep going. And it's going to take a life of its own on it's going to become its own thing that leads you down that path so that's all fine and dandy but at the end of the day someone's got to fund this right no no, How no, 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 How you no. don't need a penny of funding, nothing, Zippo. And that's the thing. Hear me out. I, I don't care whether you're a grandma in South Africa that's 80 years old, whether you're a marketing manager who's 59 years old and got laid off during COVID. I don't care whether you're two Villanova students uh, in Philadelphia. I don't care whether you're founders in Portugal or England or whatever it may be. You don't spend money on an idea in the beginning stages at all. Zero, not a Zippo. Uh, you don't spend. So you just sketch it out and see how it flies? Yeah, nothing. Zero. Nada. All right. There are specific ways to go ahead and test it out. There are ways to go ahead and attract a team. But the biggest thing really is, are people willing, and this is self-serving completely, uh, but are people willing to join your company right from the get-go, not for a check, but because of bringing that idea to life? That right there is the highest form of market validation that you can have. Anybody will join your company for a paycheck. Anybody will go ahead and spend your money uh, in terms of going ahead for marketing. But how many people will join your company in exchange for equity or performance-based equity to go ahead and see if that company is able to get going? They'll only do it if they fundamentally believe in your idea, if they fundamentally believe in you. And that's the biggest market validation there is. You don't need a penny to get to the $10 million in sales level. Any business, I don't care what it is. Nothing, nada, zippo. All right. I'm sorry. I need to challenge this a little bit because Please. a lot, a lot of what you're talking about here as a founder, as the idea guy, right? You have to bring that charisma to the table. I mean, this is almost like dating, right? I shot. No, you don't. Well, no, no, no. Stop right there. Stop right on. there. Okay. So I'm going to, we're going to break this down you're, and then you'll continue. You said it's exactly like dating hundred percent. All right. It is not transactional. People join you because they're in alignment with what your idea is. So if I'm starting a dog food company, if I'm starting something that, that is in a red ocean industry, that's a capital intensive industry, I've got to have people that have what? 
Jeff. What are they going to have to have? They're going to have to they have, have, have dogs. They're going to be dog zealots. They're going to eat dogs, breathe dogs, live dogs, shit dogs. They're going to have everything to do with dogs. And we have a company that followed that exact format. A year later, they're worth more than 10 million. They're growing 30% month over month. Just got a 3,500 store chain. They did it with zero. You don't need money. You need people. All right. So, right. So my point here, you know, and the reason why I likened it to dating is that you as the founder, you come up with this idea and you have to be so charismatic and believe so much in your, uh, wait, but hold on. But so how else are you supposed to convince, you know, this, uh, you know, your CTO to come and. You, you don't need, because you don't need a team. Listen to me. All right. So are you married, Jeff? I am. Okay, so your wife was the right person for you, okay? We have people on on our system that literally have almost no emotional intelligence whatsoever. And literally, there used to be a saying, and I don't know if it's still around in the car industry, used car industry, there's an ass for every seat, okay? What you need is you don't need hundreds of team members. You don't need thousands of team members. You need the right team for you. And so the people that are going to join your team, join your company, you resonate with or you don't. You don't have to be some guy that's like me that talks fast, that is emotional and way up here and then way down here. You can just be you. And that's the best that works. The most honest people, the authentic people, the people that are able to get teams are the people that simply ask for help and they have a mission and and a reason for doing something great. That's all it is. It's just asking and putting themselves out there. So what would you say to those introverts that don't necessarily have the self-confidence that don't necessarily have the presence that they may have this great idea and you can get a couple of people to agree with them. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd spend 20 bucks on that or whatever that idea is. Right. But then you, you know, like you said, you're not a programmer, you're not a marketing guy. You've never, you've never made an injection mold. Right. So people and you need resources in order to do, uh, in order to do that. What's the next step then in electrifying your team, like once you've identified these people, you know, and that, and that's where I go back to the dating example. At some point using my marriage, I had to light up her fire. I had to, I, yeah, I had yeah, to convince yeah, but, her, but, but you skipped a step. Tell you me. skipped a step. Tell me. All right. You had, you had a connection. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to create a fake connection and pretend to be your something you're not. As a matter of fact, a lot of people do that in the beginning, but that doesn't last too long. Your relationship lasted because she liked who you were fundamentally. And that's how the teams come together. You don't have to go ahead and light a fire under their ass every second. You just have to have a commonality of purpose. And as founder, you do have to remind them at times what what road they're on in the focus. But there is no such thing as like always pulling somebody up a mountain. Either the people willingly go up a mountain or they don't. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. Uh, Chris, can you please tell everyone where they can learn about your latest venture and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. They can always go to gusher.co, G-U-S-H-E-R.co. I'm easily reached. I'm easily found. There are any other social network. Amazing. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. I love nerding out on this stuff and I love how you brought the energy. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. 
So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.